Good morning. And welcome to 2024. I'm practicing saying 2024, as most of us are, um, at the First Universalist Unitarian Church. My name is Cheryl Hemp, and I am a member of this congregation. And I want to extend a special welcome to all of our visitors, guests, and members today. And glad to see all of you here. And we will have uh, a great year. I'm pretty excited about all the opportunities that are coming up this year. Since 1858, UUASA has served as a vital voice for liberal religion in central Wisconsin. We are an intentionally free society that welcomes all people just as you are, regardless of age, sexual orientation, ethnicity, or economic situation. Wherever you are on life's journey, you are most welcome here. And between Sundays, we'd love to have you at one of our classes or events, so be sure to subscribe to the church's newsletter or follow us on Facebook or Instagram for updates. And I have a few announcements that I wanted to highlight today. As has been our tradition, the first Sunday of the month is our potluck. And again, there is a potluck upstairs in the dining hall right after church. It's a really heartwarming tradition that embodies the spirit of unity and fellowship at our church. And we are, we are well known for our excellent food, so please join us upstairs. If you did not bring anything, that's fine. There's always plenty. So please, um, again, join us upstairs after the service. And another event that I wanted to highlight that um, we are hoping to, to um, bring back this year is the Goods and Services Auction 2024. In, this, in the past, this spring event has been um, an evening of fabulous food, socialization, and auction offerings. And proceeds have gone to general operating funds or special projects in the church. And we have raised a lot of money when our church members and friends um, have donated goods, skills, and services. One of the hallmarks is dinners that people host in their homes, and it's been a nice way um, to meet other members of the congregation. So um, we are in the preliminary stages of planning this event. Myself and Lila Hobson will be um, meeting after church next Sunday for anyone who is interested in being a part of that process. Again, we really are, are open to where this is gonna go this year. It can be a brand new event, it can be um, bringing back the event that's been in the past. Um, this initial meeting will be a conversation to talk through um, what we want that to be. So if you are interested in being part of that group, we, again, we will meet next Sunday after church. And then we need different, different volunteers moving forward. Um, it is always heartwarming to see community members coming together to support each other. And providing flowers for the altar has been one of these beautiful ways to contribute to our church community. Um, congregation member Anna Gresh has been doing this for several years, not only on the altar here, but displays out in the atrium. And she could use some assistance and support with that process. And you don't have to be an expert florist to participate. The flowers can be artificial or live. The choice is up to you. Um, the flowers can help create a beautiful and welcoming atmosphere for um, our members and for, the, our, for our beautiful space. So this is um, a way to consider contributing to the congregation. And you could um, let, let us know here at church if you are interested in helping in that way. Another way that I will be personally looking for some additional assistance is in doing the job that you see me doing right now as the worship associate. If right now we have a group of people so that it ends up being about once a month to every two months that you can be up here and helping 
um, Pastor Brian in leading the service. And um, I know different um, volunteer opportunities appeal to different people in different ways. Some people might really like to help usher. Some people might like helping with the flowers. Other people may want to be a worship associate. So please consider all of these opportunities for volunteering and we will be reaching out or you can let us know if you're interested. So as we begin our worship together today, let us take a moment to extend peace and blessing to one another. Please rise and greet your neighbors as you feel able to do so. Dear friends, let us gather our hearts and minds for worship. Please join me in reciting the chalice lighting, which is printed in your order of service. Do more than simply keep the promises made in your vow. Do something more. Keep promising. As time passes, keep promising new things, deeper things, vaster things, yet unimagined things promises that will be needed to fill the expanses of time and of love. Keep promising. And now again, if you will rise in body or spirit for our opening hymn, number 1007 in the Teal hymnal, there's a river flowing in my, in my soul, number 1007.
This morning, I'd like to share with you a story that you may have heard a version of. It is the fisherman and the businessman with my own little spin on it. There once was a businessman who was sitting by the beach on vacation, reading his work emails, checking the time of the game, 325, and the odds of a Packers Super Bowl. Depending where you land, it may be good or bad. All the while, his family played in the sand and the waves. Maybe you've seen this man when you've been on vacation, or maybe you've been that man. In between notifications, he saw a fisherman rolling a, rowing a small boat towards the shore, having ca caught excuse me, quite a few big fish. The businessman was impressed and asked the fisherman, how long does it take you to catch so many fish? The fisherman replied, oh, just a short while. Then why don't you stay out longer and catch even more, the businessman asked. This is enough to feed my whole family, the fisherman said. The businessman then asked, so what do you do for the rest of the day? The fisherman replied, well, usually I wake up early in the morning, go out to sea, catch a few fish, then I go back home, I play with my kids, in the afternoon I take a nap with my wife, and when the evening comes, I join my friends and family in the village, and we share food, and play guitar, and sing, and dance, and play games. Mmm, said the businessman, as he distractedly stared at a new email that had come in. The fisherman cleared his throat. <clears> throat. Oh, sorry, said the businessman, snapping back to the conversation. You know, I have a PhD in business management. I could help you become a more successful person. From now on, you should spend more time at sea and try to catch as many fish as possible, the businessman suggested. And after that, asked the fisherman, when you have saved enough money, then you could buy a bigger boat and catch even more fish. Soon you'll be able to afford to buy more boats and set up your own company, your own production plant for canned food and distribution network. And after that, asked the fisherman again, by then you will have moved out of this village into the city where you can set up headquarters to manage your other branches. And after that, said the fisherman, the businessman laughs heartily, after that, you can live like a king in your own house, and when the time is right, you can go public and float your shares in the stock exchange, and you will be rich. Please join me. And after that, asked the businessman, or the fisherman, the businessman says, after that, you can finally retire. You can move to a house by the fishing village. The fisherman interrupted. Would I be able to wake up early in the morning, catch a few fish, return home to play with my kids, have a nice nap in the afternoon with my wife, and in the evening, join my friends and family in the village to share food, play guitar, sing, dance, and play games. Of course, the businessman exclaimed, you'd be set for life, and if you follow my plan, in 20 to 30 years, you could do whatever you wanted. <laughs> well, thank you for the advice, smiled the fisherman. I'll think on it. And with the businessman's attention turning to the sound of a new notification on his phone, the fisherman left to go play with his kids and take a nap with his lovely wife. And that is our story for today. Our RE groups are back this morning. Everyone is welcome to remain in the sanctuary. Otherwise, children in pre-K through sixth grade are invited to come downstairs for our children's chapel. And youth in grades seven through 12 are invited upstairs to Walker Hall for their Connections Cafe. And I'll invite everyone to bless those heading off to RE and those remaining in the sanctuary with our children's song. The words are printed in your order of worship. Before I invite everyone into a time of prayer and meditation, the um, stage directions fell off this bulletin, so if you'd like to come up and light a candle 
during the hymn portion as we sing Spirit of Life. You're welcome to do that. Or you can really just come up anytime. It doesn't bother me. So please come up and light a candle if there's something on your heart or your mind this morning. With that, let us enter a spirit of prayer and meditation. First, if you would, uncross your feet if they're crossed. Place your feet flat and firm on the ground. If you pray or meditate or think better with your eyes closed, now's a good time to close them. As we settle into our bodies, turn your attention to your shoulders. If there's any tension in there, take a breath and breathe out. And now your attention to our stomachs where we put so much of our anxiety. Take a breath and push your stomach out. Let the breath out. And let's pray. Holy One, Holy Spirit, Holy Maker, our gratitude overflows like a river in flood bringing with it reminders of pain and grief. We remember the people who live in fear and pain, whose sufferings drown out hope and joy, whose lives are awash in misery. We pray healing for those who are broken in body or mind, peace on those who are at war, and comfort to those who cry out in distress. We who have much, and we who have little, we who are hungry and we who are fed, we pray for others and we pray for ourselves. Now let us call to mind all the joys and sorrows in our lives and let us meditate on them in silence together now. Amen. Please stay seated for our prayer hymn number 123 in the Gray Book, Spirit of Life.
Let there be an offering to sustain and strengthen this place, which is sacred to so many of us, a community of memory and of hope, for we are now the keepers of the dream. The mission and ministry of UU Wausau is made possible by the generous support of its friends and members. You can place a gift in the basket as it passes by, the plate as it passes by. You can also visit our website, uuwasa.org, to make a one-time or reoccurring gift with your credit or debit card. Thank you for your support. The reading I selected to accompany this morning's sermon is a poem by Brian Bilston entitled, This Was the Year That Was Not the Year. How many of you made a resolution this year? None of you. Oh, okay, one person. One person. <laughs> typical Unitarians. Typical. <laughs> All right. Uh, this will be a rough sermon for those of you anyways. The poem reads... This was the year that was not the year I repaired the bathroom tap or emptied out the kitchen drawer of a lifetime's worth of crap. This was the year that was not the year my lottery numbers came up. Once more a Brit eluded me, as did an Oscar and a World Cup. This was the year that was not the year I spent less time on my phone. Nights of passion were not enjoyed in a boutique in Rome. This was the year that was not the year. I became a household name. Action figures weren't sold of me. I wasn't made a dame. This was the year that was the year. I didn't get that much done. Much the same as the year before. Much like the one to come. There it ends our reading.
kind of think January is a depressing month, I'll be honest. The holidays are over, the parties and the fun are over. If you're like me, you live very far away from your people, so your visits to your hometown, they tend to do two things. They remind me of the joys and sorrows of family, which is a wonderful thing, and they also sort of remind me how quickly people seem to age whenever you only see them a couple of times a year. I also think January is kind of a drag because it's cold. Like, has anyone enjoyed the recent weather in Wisconsin? I don't think anyone has. It's dark. You have to use your happy lamp at nighttime if you're me. Your clothes, after you get them out of the dryer, are filled with static electricity. People in Wausau still do not know that pedestrians have the right of way. <laughs> Northern Midwesterners still, you all have not figured out that the word H-A-M-M-O-C-K is pronounced hammock. Where you came up with hammock, I don't know. It's just hammock, okay. It's also a drag because if you wear a coat, it chafes your armpits. I don't like winter because of that. The credit card bill just showed up from December in my mail. And Christmas trees are also really depressing because they're just laying on the side of the road like discarded couches in a college town. Anyways, and also, your job isn't any less boring in 2024 than it was in 2023. So my wife, some of you know, for her job, she travels from school to school to meet with her students. And more than one of the teachers she interacted with told her that their own children, like the children in their household, actually cried themselves to sleep before returning to school after Christmas break. That's how bad kids need a longer break, like that bad that they cry themselves to sleep. So this had me thinking, I wish that the United States, I would vote for this president, I don't care who they are if they went for this, I wish that the United States would mandate that the first week in January is national lockdown week. Total isolation for absolutely anyone, no contact with anyone, and the first person who asks you what your New Year's resolution is, they have to shovel the snow from your driveway with a fork. That's what I want. And I don't know about you, but every time I go back home and I'm around my parents and sisters, I notice that all of us sort of regress as human beings. We go backwards on the evolutionary chain. Does this happen to any of you if you're around your sister? All these people are shaking their head. So, when I'm in Wausau, I'll have you know I am a productive, a very productive member of society. I vote, I wave at people, I cook meals, I empty the dishwasher. I don't say everything that comes to my mind. I take out the trash, I empty the dishwasher, I walk the dog, I wake up and I start the coffee pot. But when I'm around my mom and my sisters, I am a total eighth grade slob. All, all I wanna do is I just wanna lay in my sister's basement, play Xbox and eat Taco Bell, and when I get thirsty, I don't walk upstairs to get something to drink. I just yell at my sisters, Stephanie, I'm thirsty, and they bring me something to drink. This is what I do. I even regress so bad I whined to my mother because I wanted her to make my favorite pudding. Pudding, I whined about, Mom, I want pudding, that's what I said. And then my sisters, I observed my sisters fighting about who broke the curling iron in 1998. And then they started fighting about who looks better in jeans. These are all true stories. But let's face it, regressing back to our childhood selves, it's kind of a privilege. We always drive down south on Christmas morning and drive back up on New Year's Day. And so we can only stop at gas stations for gas and lunch. And I saw that dozens of people, unlike me, at work. This makes me think of my friend, a dear friend of mine whose brother died not that long ago. What it must have been like for him to walk through the door of his childhood home for the first time at Christmas without the familiar sight and the embrace of his dear brother. And I think that's why, even though we know the new year is an artificial fresh start, that many of us, me included, Use the 1st of January as an opportunity to at least think about renewal and change. 
We all know resolutions fail. The statistics are overwhelming in that regard, like more than eight in 10 out of every resolution fails. But we try, right? So talking with my sisters and my in-laws and my parents and my friends at Christmas, I was reminded that there isn't a single person I know who doesn't feel alone at times or conflicted or like they have a bullet lodged somewhere under their skin, right? They just hurt sometimes. But a common tendency that I want to avoid in this sermon is I want to avoid any talk of devising a set of tasks that we need to complete to make ourselves better. Because I don't know about you, I do not need another thing on my to-do list. Further, I can think of nothing more offensive than the notion that people can better themselves by sheer force of will. If you want to challenge me, I want you to walk into an ICU and I want you to tell that person, just fix yourself. It doesn't work. I'm sort of tired of being shoulded on. You all know what I mean when I say shoulded on? I didn't just cuss, I promise. I don't need someone or a book to tell me what I should do. Of course, I'm not saying that we shouldn't try to eat better and move more and drink less. You should do all of those things. But if you do those things, and I've done every one of those things, after you do them for a while, pretty much everything else does what? It stays the same. Groceries still cost an arm and a leg. The temptations that drove you to drink in the first place are often still right there. Food, especially sugary and salty food that tastes delicious, it still costs less than healthy food. People will still return your smiles with scowls, even if every night you go home and you write in your little gratitude journal, right? The tough truth behind every New Year's resolution is that the mess and carnage of human existence doesn't come with an off switch. It's always there. Of your commitment to God or your God or your marriage or your children or your sobriety is wrapped up in a church or a spouse behaving a certain way or a Supreme Court ruling going this or that way, then what you're eventually going to be left with is worry and anger and overwhelm. So I've got two recommendations how we might try and avoid this. Now, this is not a list of things that you should do. Rather, it is an invitation to just try and think differently, and mostly it's an invitation to be lazy. So I'm going to use a churchy word. Some of you atheists, take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. I promise you, you will get through this. It's just a word. You ready? Okay. The word is called repentance. Everybody gasps. I'm going to get really geeky, and I'm going to talk about the etymology of that word. Who's excited? Repentance comes from three people, four people. Three, repentance comes from what language? It comes from the Greek. Of course. The word, for, the word for repent in Greek is this. It's metanoia. I wish we just said that in English. It's got a wonderful sort of lilt to it. Repent literally means in Greek this, to change your mind. That's what it means. In other words, to repent is to be open to having your mind changed. Now, don't raise your hand because you're probably sitting next to that person, but how many of you have ever met a stubborn person? <laughs> right? They won't change their mind. They won't change their plans. They won't change their order at Olive Garden. Right? They're just stubborn. They always seem to remember that awful thing you did in 1997 when you weren't at your best. They're sort of like, I would say, it's kind of like having a teenage daughter. It's kind of what a stubborn person is like. They're very, very good historians. They tend to be pretty good at Scrabble and Trivial Pursuit. But sometimes they're a little lacking in the forgiveness department. Sometimes they're a little lacking in the trust department. Maybe the benefit of the doubt department, the truth and love departments. Now, I love me some stubborn people. I'm a Unitarian Universalist minister. I love me some stubborn people. But if you want to know the secret sauce to this church, 
What makes this church a little bit special, it's because the membership roster, right over there, is filled with the names of people who are what? Willing to change. How else did we become a church that welcomes atheists and agnostics and gay people and lesbian people? Because people were willing to change. Why don't 100% of marriages end in divorce? Because people forgive, they trust, they grant freedom, they repent. So that's number one. Repent, you sinners, that's number one. <laughs> number two is a threefer. It comes from this ancient dude named John Cassian, who must have had this prescient imagination who could see into the future. What John Cassian said is that all of us are basically addicted to patterns of living and patterns of thinking. How many of you think John Cassian was maybe somewhat true in the year 400? Pretty much everyone shaking their head. We all get addicted to the way we like things so much that we sort of slip into autopilot and whenever something happens that we don't like, we freak out in our own way. Cassian's advice is you should try to avoid that if you can. And so all the way back in fourth century Rome, after decades and decades of observing Roman citizens and his fellow monks in the monastery and priests who came to preside over the mass, he came up with this list of three things. Get your pencils out. First, Cassian saw that people spent a lot of time trying to please others trying to impress people, and trying to fix ourselves with stuff rather than listen to what our heart is calling us to. Maybe what God is calling you to, what that inner guide is telling you to do. Number two, Cassian saw that we all have this sort of default monkey mind, as the Buddhists like to call it. Our obsession with headlines, our tendency to fret over things in our past, that we can do nothing to change. Or the tendency many of us have to have conversations in our heads that we should be having with someone else. Here's the last thing he saw. Our tendency to turn our hopes and fears and wants into little gods. Another way to say this is, Cassian saw our tendency to put ourselves and our wants above everything and everyone to the point that we essentially end up worshiping our own desires. The risk in this, according to him, is that we risk losing the desire to change or that openness to be surprised, that openness to be forgiven or to offer forgiveness. When we do these things, we tend to close ourselves off to others and ourselves. Now, I'll be very, very frank. I'll reveal a bit of my heart to you this morning. It's something I'm not proud of. I've done every single one of those things. I've closed myself off to others. I've obsessed over my own wants so much that I've ignored the wants of other people. There's a great song about this. In fact, Spotify told me at the end of last year that this was a song I had on repeat the entire year. It's called Hope is a dangerous little thing by this punk rock band for any fans of punk rock called the Menzingers. And so in this song they sing, quote, hope is a dangerous, dangerous little thing to keep finding out the hard way what tomorrow never brings. It's about how we can't snap our fingers and become someone else. There are some things about being human that you just cannot avoid. And one of those things is that all of us need to change from time to time, even and especially if the background always stays the same. And so this was Cassian's great insight, that even though change and hope are hard, that every single waking moment of our lives is an opportunity for a New Year's resolution. Every day is an opportunity to take a different path, to let go of something, to recommit to hope, even when it's hard, even when it hurts. But all this talk of change and second chances can't get in the way of the most important thing I'm gonna say this morning. This is the most important thing I'm gonna say. If you forget everything else I say, here's the one thing I hope you don't. 
There is nothing, nothing you can do to make you more worthy of love. If you succeed or you're failed at your resolution, you are still worthy of love. When you mess up this year, you're worthy of love. If you fall off the wagon, you're worthy. That is the key tenet of this faith. My hope for all of us is that we don't spend as much time trying to impress people as we did last year. I hope we hold ourselves and our friends and our family and perfect strangers to standards that aren't nearly as high as we held ourselves and other people to last year. Not because I'm advocating for you not to care, but because love and grace and surprise, they often come from the tiniest of places. My hope in this new year is that you focus on what your heart says more than what the headlines say. That you spend less time arguing people in your head and more time speaking with people face to face. My hope is that you have extra joy this year because you deserve it. You all deserve it. And so as you go forth with 359 days, who's counting, until 2025, Here's my list of mays for this great congregation this year. May you wake up each day and remember that there is mercy somewhere. May your coffee pots always be full and may they never break. May you go outside to soak up the vitamin D whenever the sun finally shines. May your work be satisfying and simple. May your ambitions be small and your achievements, no matter how tiny, be cause for celebration. May your play be loud and rowdy. May your times without make you grateful for your times of plenty. May you hold everyone you love just a little bit longer than you need to. May those dark evenings be lit from a light within. May your conversations be sweet and a little bit spicy and filled with belly laughs and happy tears. May your anxieties be calmed, your fears comforted, and your griefs held. May your rest be restful, and may your days and the work of your hands be a blessing. And with that, I think we can sing a song. Let's rise in spirit or body, open our gray books to number 201, glory, glory, hallelujah.
Don't forget, there is a potluck upstairs after church, and if you'll receive this blessing, I invite you to reach out and take the hand of someone nearby. May the truth that sets us free and the hope that never dies and the love that casts out fear lead us forward together until the day spring breaks and all shadows flee away. Please have a seat. Enjoy the postlude. Hallelujah.